Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. I'm here with Mr Harry Rourke, who is a consultant surgeon in trauma and orthopaedics at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, but also serves as a Royal Naval Reserve. Um, good morning, Harry. Good morning, Jim. Could you firstly just introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about your role within the reserves? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a consultant surgeon, like you say, at uh, the Royal Liverpool, mm-hmm. uh, specialised in trauma and orthopaedics, spend 50% of my time doing either. In the Royal Naval Reserve, I'm a... I'm a a surgeon in the Royal Naval Reserve, so I'm a surgeon commander now. I act as a consultant surgeon within the Royal Naval Reserve, so I could be deployed on board her Royal Fleet Auxiliary Argus, and indeed have been relatively recently. She's currently out in Sierra Leone. Uh, I could also be deployed to a land environment, such as Afghanistan, that we pulled out of there now, but that, that's something I could do, or, or in uh, acting with the Royal Marines, for instance, or in a land operation or something similar. Uh, I have some management responsibilities within the Royal Naval Reserve, so I'm I'm nominally uh, second in command of medical officers, uh, and that's just a very administrative thing. Uh, and I also have unit responsibilities within my unit, which is HMS Eaglet in Liverpool, where I act uh, helping with command, leadership and management training for a lot of our junior officers uh, and junior ratings, uh, essentially. Okay. Can you walk me through your career then? So from sort of joining the reserves, how that worked in the NHS as well? Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a quick career actually. I mean, I've been thinking about the, the Royal Navy for a long time. I'm, I'm originally from Liverpool. My, my grandfather was a dock master uh, and he was good friends with Johnny Walker, who's a, who's a local bootle hero actually. And, and I'd always thought about it. I thought about it in medical school. I'd briefly been a cadet and then I'd, then I'd given up on that and left. But back in 2000 and 2009, I decided I wanted to join again. Uh, I went to the Admiralty Interview Board, which is where we're interviewed uh, as officers. Uh, passed that for the second time because I'd taken one as a medical student and passed that as well. And then very quickly ended up in Britannia Royal Naval College after a short period of time training. Uh, passed out uh, there in October 2009. I then really very quickly ended up on a, a thing called the Intermediate Command uh, Staff Course, which is a training uh, management course for Royal Navy people. And then whilst there, was was called up by the head of Royal Navy Trauma and Orthopaedics and asked if I could go to Afghanistan uh, at relatively short notice because somebody else couldn't, couldn't meet that deadline. Um, I found myself mobilised, which is where one's formally accepted into the regular service from the reserves, in October of 2010 and then found myself in Afghanistan on Christmas Eve 2010 uh, where I did a nine-week tour uh, which was really eight weeks of solid operating where I was on call 24-7 on a bleep. I did a lot of operating, did uh, 250 operations in total on on a mixture of of our troops, about a third were American, a third were UK, uh, a third were local nationals and a third were enemy combatants, uh, Taliban insurgents. Uh, we operate under those under Geneva Convention rules. I did sadly about 100 amputations in my time. It was really a very busy time in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. I had about five days at the end of that when I was waiting for the RAF to fly me home very kindly. The nice place when you don't have to work really hard. I came back then did uh, a thing called the Advanced Command Staff Course and then soon after that, a year after that, so that would have been 2011, 2012, uh, I was in Australia uh, for a period in a senior fellowship training in the NHS, so I was away from the Navy for a bit, 
uh, came back, was appointed a consultant surgeon in 2013, and then promoted surgeon commander from lieutenant commander. Sorry, it sounds it's a very rushed career. I've, I've, packed, yeah. I've packed a lot in a short period of time. Absolutely. Um, so, just thinking back about your experience in a, in Afghanistan, how do you think this has benefited your NHS trust since you were back? My, my trust itself. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's benefited my trust trust enormously. I think uh, the trust would 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 say that as well. I think what it really has done is it's given me a very a very specialist knowledge of trauma. But I'd be very careful to say that that's not the kind of trauma that I necessarily do on a day to day basis. I didn't have a plate and screw set out there as I as I have in my hospital. But what it because most of it really is just just um, dealing with the aftermath of IED. So you really just debride those wounds and you send the people back. But what it really taught me was uh, a knowledge of resuscitation. So trauma resuscitation. I did, goodness only knows how many trauma resuscitation calls out there. So my, my knowledge of that is, is big. And that allows me to, to work with A&E to develop our trauma resuscitation. The Royal Liverpool's a major trauma centre. Uh, and, and for instance, a good example of that is in concert with the A&E department. I uh, brought a blood fridge um, in A&E here which took the transfusion time in r and e down from about half an hour to get blood products to A&E to, to literally seconds now because it, it's on tap all the time. And that really was driven by my experiences in Afghanistan. Uh, as well as that, as well as the, the sort of trauma thing, there's the wider picture of just management ability. I've said I've been on two management courses. They're, they're really great courses to go on, actually, enormous courses. And I think that when you're thrown into the melee of being a consultant with management responsibilities, I think you're, you're a more developed person when you take on those responsibilities. And I think that that's really advantage to the trust. So thinking back about your career, Harry, it seems like it really accelerated once you joined the reserves. Um, do you think that's indicative of the reservist experience? I think it's probably fair to say that being a reserve uh, is, a, is a massive string to your bow. And I think from my perspective as, a, as, a, as an orthopaedic trainee, I think that to get a consultant job, one needs uh, a lot of a lot of additional things these days. It's a tough market out there, so you need to write papers or have additional degrees. And I would suggest that being a reservist is 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 like having an additional degree, especially when you deploy. I think a trust sees that as a massive bonus. And I I, I would say that I didn't uh, becoming a consultant wasn't as difficult for me as it perhaps has been for some of my colleagues because the trust saw a very clear advantage to me being a reserve. I think if you were in another specialty, so if you were another type of reservist, a nursing reservist, I think the advantages would be big there as well. I think you would see huge advantages in your ability to manage. You're also handed opportunities to manage other people. And I think all that develops you as a person. Um, So you said you were deployed at really short notice. Um, What would you say to reassure employers that are listening that are worried about losing staff to mobilisation? I think that's interesting. I mean, when I deployed, I was working, I was actually working in Arrow Park at the time, uh, but I was a trainee, so I was actually employed by the deanery. So I was employed by the deanery. That There were concerns. There were concerns from the hospital. There were concerns from the deanery when I brought it up. I have to say that my, my training programme director at the time, who was, uh, who was Mr Narayan, who's now one of my colleagues, uh, just said that I should just go, and it was an enormous opportunity. And I also have to say that the British Orthopaedic Association was so impressed by the training trainees were getting in Afghanistan that they they actually asked if civilian trainees could be sent out simply for experience. So, sorry, I've gone off piece a little bit there, but but... 
but the backup for mobilisation is enormous. Um, we're mobilised through HMS Nelson, uh, through naval personnel training, and they are immediately or immediately onto my deanery, offering help. Uh, a, they're offered money, so there's money not only to to fill the gap for me, but also compensatory money because I deploy. And I I would suggest that that it's perhaps not as big as big a problem as employers might think. And I would suggest that. Although there are clear concerns around that for employers, I would suggest that, that actually probably in the long term, uh, the advantages are, are much bigger than that. And, and I, I suspect it's probably not as much of a problem as they think it perhaps would be. Um, so how, has, how would you think your life has changed since joining the Reserves? <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think I've always I've always thought about the Navy and I think I've, I've uh, always therefore been very interested in the in the military and, and current affairs, but there's no doubt that my my sensation of that has increased uh, since I joined the reserves. I'm certainly much more interested in current affairs, if only because uh, you, you're sort of looking for where you might you might have to go next. To be fair, so I think you're very interested in that. I think, as I've said, I've had huge management training, and all that's increased my confidence uh, enormously. It. I, it, it certainly it certainly made me busy. You know, I, I, I last year did 84 days for the Royal Naval Reserve on top of my civilian job, which is actually an enormous amount of time. You, you certainly don't have to do that much, by the way. That's not mandated. 24 days is the, is the average. Um, but, but what I would say is when the Navy has thrown a door uh, in front of me, when it's, it's thrown up a challenge to me and I've just knocked that door down and I just keep going, and the Navy does that, it puts challenges in front of you and it asks you to carry on. And it, it's almost like someone once described to me a ladder and said, you just keep going up the ladder until you eventually fall off. I think I'm a much more rounded person and it's given me an enormous hobby as well. I've taken up uh, horse riding since I joined the Royal Navy Reserve, something I thought about as a young man but never ever could quite work out what to do but the navy offered me polo which is which is great fun actually so it's a bit like rugby at 50 miles an hour on a horse uh and it, it's it, it's a fantastic thing to do actually I'm, I'm really not sure i would ever have come to that uh, if, if it hadn't been for the royal navy so I, I thank the navy for that i think it's been a great thing so what do you think employing members of the reserve forces can give to an nhs trust i think i think uh, as, as i've said earlier on i think I think you can round off some of your individuals. I have to say, it's, it's not for everybody, and certainly you wouldn't want to trust to be consist entirely of people that were members of the reserve, because that's not how you round off an organisation. Clearly, you want people who have unique experiences that work within your trust. But I think, I think employee members of uh, of, of the reserves, be that the army, uh, the navy, or or, or the RAF, will, will give them unique experiences, unique ability, particularly within a trauma sphere, but also round them in terms of management. And I think it will, I, I hesitate to say this really, but I think it, the kind of people that join the reserve tend to be characters anyway, but I think it increases their ability to be a character. So I think it will give them characters. And I think all that adds to the, the vast melting pot that is a trust, that complex organisations trust. And I think they need a lot of different bits and pieces, but I think there's no doubt that having members of the reserve forces uh, adds to that giant melting pot. And I think it can only be of advantage to a trust. So if one of our listeners is thinking about joining the reserves, what would you say to them? I would say anybody that's thinking about it, just 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 come along and speak to us. I I constantly speak to some of my my junior trainees, many of whom are very interested in it, and they never quite make that step. They never quite come down to HMS Eagle to see what we do here. And 
And when you really drill down into that, I, I really think there is this fear of signing on the bottom line. I really, I really hear that all the time, this idea that once you've signed your life away to the Navy, that that's it. And that really, really isn't the experience at all. In fact, the way that the reserves work, you can, you can just walk away at any point. I think anybody that's really thinking about it, I think you've already made that intellectual leap. And I just come down and see what we do. And I think once you're through the door, you'll almost certainly carry on.